Hello and welcome to episode number 335 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. We are back in the cinema, which is always nice. Um, and of course, the the continued enjoyment of The Last of Us, um, which we'll get to later on in the show, of course. Um, nah, it's gone crap news. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they could just never follow up from episode three, could they? Um, but yeah, we'll get to all that good stuff later. Um, a little bit of news. Um, not too much here. There's a couple of things that are worth sort of talking about. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the second uh, news uh, story. Um, but this first one's, yeah, this first one's a bizarre one um, because, yeah, kind of in the vein of these old horror franchises coming back and trying to reinvent themselves, um, it seems like the next one on the table is going to be I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, Man, that's so, been whirling around for a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, we had the Amazon TV show um, in 2021, which immediately got cancelled like a month after it aired um and only had a season one and but now sony pictures are um trying to bring this franchise back and i think the reason why this is noteworthy is because um deadline are reporting that this isn't confirmed this is only currently in talks um but they are currently in talks for jennifer love hewitt and freddie prince jr to return um so obviously the two stars of the original movie from 1997 um they were both in the sequel in 98 but then there was also a film in 2006 which i don't think they were in Um, so yeah obviously if this were to go forward this would be in the vein of the recent sort of legacy sequels that we've seen obviously halloween and scream being the two most noteworthy ones um obviously both those movies and franchises have done incredibly well at the box office and mm. made a shit ton of money so you can see why they would want to do this but then on the other hand i know what you did last summer has never been scream or halloween um in any way shape or form and obviously with them bringing it back recently with the weight of amazon behind them and that being just such a colossal failure it really makes you wonder like what is there any market for this i'm, I'm curious what the fandom is because this is such a weird film that you know in that vein of scream kind of has its fans of course but i don't i just don't know what people would want from it nowadays like if you were to do it oh it's 25 years later or something like is that enough of a enough of a draw to get people in um but i guess what are your thoughts like on the the franchise or i guess the original movie and would you want to see in particular like the two legacy cast members come back for one more shot i mean yeah it's difficult because like we already knew what they did last summer in the first movie so it's hard to have like this kind of revenge story because the revenge story is already in the movie um unlike kind of you know these other film franchises that have kind of come back to try to tell this oh there's a continuing story but I I do think um you know someone sat down and went okay cool we've got this IP the only problem is now we need to cast two exciting people like uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. to be able to bring this franchise into something good, and they're like, and someone just went, "Well, why, why don't we just get those guys back um, and and try to do what everyone else has done?" Uh, I gotta be honest though, like if that was true, it would definitely like pique my interest because I do mm. like both of them. I do like the first two movies a lot. Um, 
you know, I think if there is a subsection of horror fans that that like I Know What You Did Last Summer, those two movies, I'm definitely in that. Um, so, you know, a sequel to those that, that is done well, like, I, I, I'll be on board for it. I can't say it's something that I had in my head, but... But yeah, if it's going to be put on the table, I'm I'm not against it. Yeah, it would definitely be. I I would be fascinated to see what the hell this would be, mm. and, and whether or not, like, I think you'd be able to tell almost immediately from a trailer whether it is. Oh, this is kind of cool, or if it is purely a cash grab trying to be in the vein of those other recent movies. Because I do think that you can obviously do the leg- legacy sequel idea, but I think even pointing to just Halloween and Scream. They both had, like, really good reasons for that, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, that was my point with kind of, I know what you did last summer. Like, we, mm. we already have the whole revenge. We have the the one killer that was wronged. And, and you know, it would just feel a bit... And Because and, wasn't the sequel then, like, the son of the killer, I think? Yeah, I can't remember. Where they get the, what you did. Yeah, that's when they, like, win the holiday to go on the island. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I swear that then that is like the son of the fisherman. Um, So so I kind of feel like you've, you've already got to like deep screen territory with those two, Mm. you know? And it's just like, Oh yeah. You know, you accidentally killed me and I've come back and now I'm annoyed because you killed my dad and he came and you killed him again. Yeah. You know, what, what does the son have a son? You know, I mean, that's the thing. It'll just a daughter, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, but I feel like, we've already gone like to that degree with that franchise with the two movies we've already got. Mm. Yeah. It's going to be something like that, or they'll just retcon something in the original. Like there's so many different ways they could take it. Um, my my yeah. hope is Sarah Michelle Gellar isn't dead from the first movie and she's the killer in part three. Yeah. Cause she was in the, well, she, she's in the first film, right? But she she's just gets killed. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a shame because I do feel like seeing these reports where I was kind of like, I feel like this is missing something. And I think yeah. it is her. Like, I think if they had all three, that would be a lot more exciting. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I think obviously with it being like Sony Pictures, it kind of gives me like I get terrified of that. Right. Um, <laughs> But and it is funny because in this kind of article, um, the deadline said it was basically the the people that have kind of pitched the movie. It said in the quote that they blew studio executives away when they pitched this idea for a sequel last fall, especially given the recent success of the Scream franchise. Um, <laughs> I love that last bit. Where yeah, it was almost like uh, to, to paraphrase that quote would be. They were blew away by the success of the recent stream franchise. Yeah, they so they listened to any pitch available. Uh, yeah. that, that's that's how I read that comment. <laughs> yeah, and I think what's funny as well is like some people will forget, I guess, or not be aware. But like I know what you did last summer has always been ridiculously linked with Scream. Yeah. Um, obviously, with the both being written by Kevin Williamson, both coming out extremely close to one another, um, they've always had this ridiculous DNA, and, and it was always weird to me because I felt like I know what you did last summer is like a good film, and Scream is one of the best horror movies ever made. So it was always like a, an unfair comparison. To, to put last summer next to scream from the get-go um but i do think yeah they're like oh we've got this ip that is somehow linked to this incredible you know franchise that is doing so well right now so how can we milk that and obviously the tv show is not the way to go and they probably saw as well that like the scream tv show you know was like okay then went dreadful and that really didn't 
impact the box office in the slightest once they got mm. the legacy people back on board so i think that's probably where they are going back to the drawing board and they're like even if you got one of those two um yeah, i think getting yeah, both would be exceptional but even if you got one of them that would be enough to warrant a cinema release for sure um but yeah i'm really curious about this one actually like the more mm. i think about it i'm like i'm kind of in the mood to like go back and watch those first two and i don't even know if i've ever seen the third one um so i would like yeah, to do that not very good but I, I love the first two and i think you know the, the more we've spoken about it the more that if they get those two legacy characters back i, I i'd actually be pretty excited for it yeah it would be interesting yeah. Yeah. and like i say if they could get like a, some good writers aboard of course like because yeah you need to have a compelling reason to bring these two characters back and pitch i think that's the main away, pitch blew <laughs> away yeah that's like the, that was by far the best thing about scream and definitely halloween mm. 2018 was like they, they had such a good reason for bringing the characters back um yeah, for sure. but yeah we'll have to wait and see um but yeah this next one uh very interesting for you and for uh dexter fans um oh shit nearly i nearly put this in the news last week but it was a bit of a non-story because it was being reported that off the back of dexter new blood which was obviously like the revival last year mm -hmm. last year that done incredibly well for showtime it was like their most watched show ever at the time um you know and obviously with numbers like that they'd want to keep going but it seemed like mm -hmm. they were just they were happy for it to just be a one and done thing and that was the news and i almost put it in i was like that. oh it's kind of a yeah i was like oh it's kind of a non-story however I'm glad we waited because they've they've just announced two Dexter shows. <laughs> so um, basically, I'll do it in the order they've written it here. But the first one is the new one, which is that the uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal reporting that the network, which is Showtime, has ordered an origin story prequel to Dexter. Um, this will be um, exploring separate spin-offs based upon the backstories of compelling Dexter characters, including the Trinity Killer. Um, the origin story will be set in Dexter's hometown of Miami and will touch on stories of real-life serial killers of the time period. Um, I really like that quote because that reminds me of Mindhunter. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is called Dexter Origins. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I like the idea of that as a tv show that has nothing to do with dexter potentially but it sounds like utter trash that they're trying to link it to the dexter kind of world like we have so much in the way of uh origin of dexter you know in yeah. the flashbacks the, the the harry teaching dexter is predominantly featured throughout the entire show so as a as a huge dexter fan i need zero origin story from him and now yeah getting a origin of you know, Ice Truck Killer, although that's linked to Dexter, but, you know, Trinity Killer, whatever killer. Like, yeah, could be cool, but ultimately we've seen the best part of their story, their hustle, their tussle with Dexter. So, yeah, the, the, that, this whole show fills me with no real excitement, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I think this next part is going to kind of condemn that even further because it, the, the first part is talking about, oh, yeah, like real life serial killers of that time period and stuff. But then this next bit says um, Dexter Origins will dramatize young Dexter Morgan at the outset of his transition into the avenging serial killer he would become. Set in Miami, that was a hotbed of real life serial killers at the time. The show will begin as Dexter graduates co college to join Miami Metro, where he meets younger versions of many of the characters we come to know in the original show. So that's basically exactly what you were just talking about saying how there's already oh, been boy. enough of that in the show and you wouldn't want more of that <laughs> yeah that, that that sounds truly awful especially if he's meeting those characters like mm. that's that's incredibly cringe like if he's like all oh, right trinity killer i'm gonna you're gonna kill my wife in 20 years time and then i'm gonna kill you like nah <laughs> fuck off <laughs> like, I, I don't want i don't want anything to do with that show 
Yeah, so that's the one thing. And then the, and then the second part, hope maybe this one will be more interesting to you, is obviously um, <clears throat> based upon Dexter New Blood mm-hmm. doing super well, um, it seems like it will be returning. So they do want to develop a second season of Dexter New Blood, and this will uh, depict the ongoing emergence of Dexter's son, Harrison. Um, so, yeah, this seems like, again, I, I, I mean, I guess we're kind of in spoilers and, uh, at this point, but like we don't need to spoil everything, but it seems like what this would be <laughs> would not involve dexter to my knowledge the character dexter would not be in dexter new blood yeah only be his son harrison i guess spoilers Um, for dexter right sure (laughs) uh, dexter's dead yeah that's why i was very confused by this whole story of two dexter tv shows (laughs) you know and and very clearly if you read anywhere between the lines and it's like oh there's an origin one going backwards with the Dexter character and going forwards, the continuation of the canon is his son. Hmm, mm-hmm. What happened to Dexter? Exactly, um, yeah. But, but I would yeah, assume I, that means as well that the main actor would not be a part of either of these shows. Obviously, yeah, there is and, potential for flashbacks or flash forwards in either of them, well, but I can't imagine he'll be involved. The interesting thing is that he could very much be involved with Harrison in the sequel. Yeah. In, in season two because he could be the harry ghost character the dead ghost character yeah, so like you know, visions we, of him yeah we have those characters talk to dexter throughout the entire runtime of the show so you know i i would i would like that you know i i i thought the 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 season that we had was was really good it was a great revival of a show that was ended horribly it retconned it in a way that makes it you know, makes that season bearable to watch now on a rewatch potentially because you know that you're going to get into the next season and ended the Dexter character in a satisfying way. Um, and I thought the Harrison, act, the, the, the actor, he, I thought he was fantastic. I thought the character was really good. I, I liked the location and other characters as well. So, like, I, I would completely not be against a, a, a continuation of that story and and yeah w- would it be even more excited if we got michael c hall to kind of come can be the the harry figure to harrison through through you know the, the ghost kind of stuff because as weird as that is it's so intrinsically in the show that i'm i'm okay with it at this point all right so you like you so you're saying dexter new blood more of that that's great dexter origins not interested yeah I mean that's not bad, is it? You know, no, that's all right. He would take that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think I think they'll be happy with that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you uh, you're happy for more Dexter. So I'm sure, like I say, this is such a mega, mega, mega hit for Showtime that there was, and especially after how well New Blood did, where yeah. it was literally their it, most watched show ever, it, that they were always going to do more. It was almost like New Blood was just their apology and their kind of bookend to fans, and they knew that fans wanted it, so they tried to give them a nice ending, and then they gave them the nice ending, and they went holy shit like this is really popular we can't Mm. end this like if they knew the success they were gonna have dexter would not be dead at the end of that season i I tell you that for a fact yeah um but but yeah we are where we are now (laughs) for sure hence why all these weird spin-offs and prequels will always be a thing in all media um but yeah moving on to our last story this is kind of just a nice little one to throw in here i like to do this every so often especially when it's a film that catches my eye which is a kind of very early announcement of a film um we've only done this a few Mm -hmm. times i remember obviously we spoke about megan when it was first announced um but especially with the people behind this and starring in it i do think this is worth noting um so it's a new horror movie and this comes via variety um new horror movie called long legs 
um Love one that. word um and it's uh, directed by osgood perkins who obviously we've covered a couple of his films um being the black coat's daughter and gretel and hansel um i would say fairly mixed on both i certainly liked gretel and hansel more um but i think he i, I like to especially i'm already going off on a tangent before we get to the rest <laughs> of it but i just want to say in terms of like osgood i think he's a great example of and we've said this time and time again, like just because we don't like a film by a director doesn't mean I'm suddenly like, oh, I'm never going to watch any of this stuff ever again. Oh, 100% the case, you know, you can't always hit the ground running with a banger and be like, <laughs> oh, man, whatever you do next. But I remember like with both of Osgood's movies, I was like, oh, OK, you, you've got some talent and, and I like what you're doing. And I'd almost like you to just direct because I don't know how much it was. I think he was fairly heavily involved with the writing on both. Yeah, or am this, I wrong? So this is weird because um, in the it says up next from writer slash director osgood mm. perkins so i don't know what what it seems like it's just implying that he is doing both again like but it's not yeah. actually officially saying that um yeah that's the thing and like you know because i feel like his director chops were were, get, were really good but he needed you know um a, a, a better script in front of him because you know that was where those two movies were let down more than anything in my opinion I completely agree. I remember from both those movies, visually stunning, um, but they kind of both had muddling third acts, I remember. Mm. Um, but I definitely preferred Grail and Hansel. I know a lot yeah, of people really liked Black Coat's Daughter. Um, but the, yeah, so this is cool that he's doing another horror movie straight up. And obviously his like heritage within the, the horror mm. genre is like always I'm going to be fascinated by him. Um, but yeah, this movie has two actors involved, which um, we've both seen and enjoyed in many different things. Um, the first one, which is kind of just now signed on, um for is micah monroe who obviously was in it follows we saw her in watcher last year um and some other film it was other guests she's in as well um but yeah she's obviously been in a lot of really decent stuff um but this was already joining the apparently previously announced to nick cage um <laughs> So he's here. And I think what makes this really cool is we do get a little bit of a plot synopsis here and who's playing who. And this is to me where this really starts to be something that like, oh, I'm definitely I mean, I'd watch this anyway, let alone who's involved with it and who's making it. Um, so the plot synopsis for this one. And this is said to be in the vein of classic Hollywood psychological thrillers. Um mm -hmm. But the synopsis is FBI agent Lee Harker, played by Monroe, Monroe, is a gifted new recruit assigned to the unsolved case of an elusive serial killer, played by Nick Cage. As the case takes oh. complex terms, unearthing evidence of the occult, Harker discovers a personal connection to the merciless killer and must race against time to stop him before he claims the lives of another innocent family. Um, so, yeah, it sounds very much like Silence of the Lambs. Um, I'm so down for more of these kind of like FBI agents hunting in down serial killer films um especially ones that are new stories as well like i really find it not as interesting when it is always just based upon these famous serial killers as we've spoke about time and time again like i yeah. want to see original new stuff like silence of the lambs was it can be based upon real killers like they most notably are a lot of the times but i think it's better when you can add especially when you get someone like nick cage i don't want to see yeah i want to see after yeah do an impression of someone who's already existed i want to see yeah, him Nick in his character i'm like i don't want that like no, exactly I want, yeah i want him to be want, his own person yeah i want to see what he could do like as his next you know hannibal lecter mm. style character i want to see something fresh and interesting so yeah like as far as the synopsis goes and just everything like this sounds awesome i'm really down for this like what is this like a, a plot that intrigues you yeah, I mean it's the, it's it's a it's a very generic plot that we've seen multiple times. Mm. But guess what? I fucking love it. 
yeah <laughs> I, I love that sort of story so yeah like i'm i'm completely down like really like the cast I, I think the director as we've said has got the potential so yeah sign me up you know, I think as well that actually, going back to what we said before, this plot ties into what we were saying about how this is a basic sounding plot, but that's probably mm. what we'd want from an Osgood movie because he yeah. nails like all of the other stuff. So I don't necessarily need him to kind of get a bit lost in the source and try and create some like, because both of his very previous true. movies were very high concept in terms of the mm. story um, and probably was a little bit lost on us. So I would rather him just go like, oh no, this is pretty basic. I'm going to direct the hell out of it. And it's going to look gorgeous. And I'm just going to let these two amazing actors carry the show. So yeah, I'm, I'm so down for this. Um, so yeah, hopefully this will be uh, one we get to talk about who knows when in a couple of years, potentially maybe next year, who knows? Um, I always like to put them in there as a little tease and then every so often we'll like we'll maybe head more casting we'll maybe get a teaser trailer or a release date and then we can obviously be like oh yeah i remember that movie so uh long legs one word remember it um but uh yeah should we talk about this week's film let's do it let's talk about knock at the cabin So, yeah, this is uh, pretty crazy that we're talking about this movie right now. Um, I still remember, obviously, again, we talked about it in the news because of M. Night and his sort of legacy, not only on this podcast, but as us as fans. Um, He's obviously been extremely prolific. As we mentioned last week, he is one of two directors to have free top 10 entries for us um mm-hmm. and that is of course the only free movies that he's released since we started doing the show in, in this sort of mini renaissance he's basically done five movies now because that's kind of how i consider it sort of the mm. visit was really when he changed things around um i think i always say this when i talk about m night but basically just as an aside like i love his first four movies um yeah. but then i never even watched the middle four and so i think it is bad of me because i am such a big fan of his um oh i do tell a lie i have seen after earth but the other three i haven't i've never seen lady in the water the happening or the last airbender but it was just it was so, yeah they were just like i should watch them for sure mm. like it really is bad of me like every time i look at it i'm like oh yeah he just has three movies in the middle of his career that for some reason i haven't seen even though and i i pretty much like hell of a lot all of his other movies yeah like i've not yeah like i didn't I, yeah i didn't like after earth like and that maybe that's why because well, it's in that I middle seen that either actually that, that i haven't seen all four yeah i mean it's it's just a boring generic sci-fi movie that's all mm-hmm. it is it's not like it's typically awful it's just boring and, and you know it doesn't feel like an m night movie whereas i feel like yeah when he did the visit it was stripping things back um that made him such an amazing director when he first broke out but then yeah since then obviously we've covered split glass and old big fans of all three of them for sure mm-hmm. um and he's been insanely prolific obviously like he basically has a two-year turnaround now between all these movies uh-huh. for the last decade yeah he's made one two three four five six movies in the last decade um which is crazy um and, and again considering the consistent quality of nearly all of those films as well um mm. 
I just feel like there's so much about him that's so underrated in terms of, you know, he has a, a horror, you know, he has like classic stuff like The Sixth Sense that will always be regarded as like one of the most important horrors ever made. It's um, one of the most referenced movies of all time because of what happens. Like it's it's yeah. in, embedded in, in pop culture and, and people, you know, whenever you talk about spoiler culture or anything like that, mm. that movie gets referenced. Like it's it's crazy. It's up there with, with you know... Uh, really all-time movies in terms of ones that get referenced in that way when people talk about twists in films Mm. there's there's literally two that always get brought up (laughs) and one of them is the sixth sense and the other one is empire strikes back like those are literally the two movies that will always get referenced for their twists um and yeah there, there isn't another movie that springs to mind on that level um so yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of his. You know, I like to really say that up front because I think that he mm-hmm. is just he he's a guy that I like to defend because I don't know why he gets so much shit. I just really don't at all. Um, like I say, even if he's done a couple of movies that I weren't feeling, he just he, he just has such an overwhelming catalog of great films and great genre films in particular mm-hmm. as well. Um, but uh, yeah, we were both very excited for this movie. Obviously, when we saw the trailer, um, very fascinating trailer that gets right to the meat of it um and basically shows you kind of what we felt from the trailer which was this is just the setup of the movie mm-hmm. you know it's not like a traditional trailer like when we saw that scream teaser for example and we were like where the hell is this in the film where ghost faces on a train yeah. and we're in new york even, like what the hell's happening like when we watched old and like the yeah. trailer was like what the hell's going on you know and especially with an m night movie mm. you know you expect a bit of mystery but the, the the trailer itself was very um you know belts and braces saying saying yep yeah, no they, we're just telling you what the movie about we're just setting it up yeah exactly and we'll obviously get to that setup in a sec but i think we were both very much like oh this is a very simple premise of this kind of home invasion and why they're doing it but it was very much it grabbed us immediately it was like oh i've not seen anything really like this and the dynamic they're going for almost a reluctance by the home invaders to kind of do this awful thing to this family so well set up i think in the trailer and i Mm. i remember since it came out about what five five months ago like i've been just dying to see this movie because i wanted to know the answers to all those questions that they presented in that trailer so i think as far as trailers go like it couldn't have done a better job of selling me on the film um but yeah i guess uh we should get into the plot yeah indeed indeed so um yeah this this movie kind of um we we meet well very very early on we meet when uh our kind of one of our lead characters who um is the daughter of andrew and eric and they're kind of on holiday together in this cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere and we kind of you know the opening scene we meet when and instantly she is joined by leonard uh played by the man giant that is uh dave <laughs> batista which i'm sure he'll get brought up in this oh, conversation good old big point. dave good old big dave man i yeah i we're gonna get sidetracked that. straight away aren't we right so big leonard pops up and um yeah he it's a it's a really great tense scene because you've seen the trailer you know you know his intent and he doesn't really hide his intent and and it's a very he's very simplistic in his dialogue and and the way he's befriending her but we know there's this sinister kind of undertone to it and and very quickly his uh three other friends kind of start to walk out of the uh, forest area and join him and kind of spooks um when who runs into the cabin and kind of 
her, Eric and Andrew basically um, lock themselves in and, and try to keep these home invaders out. And, and, and very quickly, um, the, <laughs> I mean, big Dave's out front, you know, and, and you're in a little wooden log cabin, you, you're not keeping them out. I mean, they, they did bloody well to keep him out for as long as they did, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and yeah, eventually they get captured and they get told by their invaders that they have come to save humanity. And the only way they can save humanity is if one of the three of the family, uh, one of the three members of the family, um, sacrifice themselves. Um, I think, is it specifically that one has to kill the other? Yes, so correct. You, they can't kill you themselves. You can't kill yourself. You, one of the three of you must kill one of the others. But it, but it, and it, it has to be a willing sacrifice yeah. as well. It was also explicit that it needed to be a willing sacrifice and not a murder as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't, the world will end. Mm. Um, you know, that is almost pretty much entirely covered in the, the trailer. And yeah. it is our first kind of 15, 20 minutes. The movie, you blink and the movie has begun and started to unravel this plot. And and very, very quickly, we, we pretty much get the entire content of the trailer bar than the odd little, you know, couple of seconds of footage. But the, the, the main meat of the trailer is done in that first 20 minutes. Um, and we're set up with these characters in the cabin. And, and it really is the rest of the movie a case of... Um, you know, predominantly Eric and Andrew kind of really trying to figure out what the hell these people are up to. You know, why do they think this? Are they crazy? Or or is the unthinkable true that these people are actually correct? Mm. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the rest of the movie is unraveling that mystery, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've been looking forward to this for a while. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to hear what you think of this one. I really want to hear what you think of it as well. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like me to go first then? Go for it. Um, Yeah, it's a really interesting one because, um, yeah, once it starts, you're right in there and you're like, oh, yeah, this is the movie that I've been waiting to see. Cool. Um, And so you get all these early scenes. You get the the nice scene that we see in the trailer, obviously, with Leonard and Wen, which I think kind of sets the tone beautifully for the film um, and sets up who they are as characters. I, You know, it's really, again, we saw it in the trailer, and I think a lot of the start of this conversation will be referring to that trailer because it doesn't, you know, it does a good job of selling the movie, but you've you've seen it all before, mm. um, which is these very tight close-ups on Leonard and Wen in this conversation. Um and I think even they're having this very innocent thing talking about grasshoppers and, you know, I think this the, the opening scene is so good because um, it is unsettling even though, you know, it's all these different dynamics of like it's this giant man talking to this tiny little girl um, and he is a stranger and he has wandered out of the woods. So there is all these massive red flags immediately, of course, but then he is so timid and relaxed and genuine the way he speaks to her and talk when she's like oh you know i don't speak to strangers and he's like well that's very you know you're you're right to think that my name's leonard and like shakes her hand with this giant hand of his um and so i think all of that setup is so good and then obviously getting like the home invasion bit and then we get to like the actual you know crux of the movie um you know of this decision i think this is going to be such a hard one as well to talk about without talking about spoilers um 
we'll we'll try our best i think for a bit but i think a lot of what we'll think about this movie does kind of hinge on answers to questions that we're presented to very very much so i i think my whole kind of thought on this movie is finale related almost you know so we are gonna have to get there that is usually typically an M Night thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but even more so when, like, the entire setup of your movie is if one of you doesn't willingly die, the end of the world ends. Yeah. Or the, yeah, the end of the world happens. And so, yeah, yeah it, we're watching this movie to find out the answer to that question. Like, what happens? Is this bullshit? Is this real? What's yeah. going to happen? So, of course, like, well, we need to get to our reactions to that at some point. Um, but yeah, it was, it was ri- like, I think as far as strong things go, acting is like by far the thing that stands out to me the most. Um, I think going into this, I was like predetermined to enjoy it because specifically there's like two actors in this that I really, really like. Um, the first one being, of course, Dave Bautista, who, you know, I do like, I find him to be very funny and charming in movies. Um, yeah. And I, I was excited to see him stretch his dramatic muscle because I knew he had it in him and I was not disappointed at all. Like, I thought he was fantastic. I think this is Dave Bautista's best performance in any film to date. Um, sure. And I still think he can get better as well. Um, but I thought he was fantastic, where typically you'd probably... This is probably about as much as I'd want him to be in a movie. And I talk about this a lot with some certain actors, where you don't want them to be the lead. Um, but you can have a shit ton of screen time and not necessarily be the lead character. And I think that's how I always want to see Dave. Um, so I thought he was just so fantastic in this character of Leonard. I think it was such a difficult character to portray as well. Um, but he just does such a good job of, of making the whole thing feel genuine, because the other three people that he's with are all decent in their own different ways um i would say probably rupert grint's character is like the worst of the of the four um because he's fairly one note and it's a shame for him um but i think dave carries it so strongly because a lot of them do start to go into more kind of stereotypes and tropes of what you'd expect and they kind of just have like a one thing of like here's my one reason why i'm in this film and that's it you know rupert grin especially his character has one reason why he's in this movie um which we won't spoil now but we'll have to get to and and that's it and and once you eliminate that he his character is devoid of anything um whereas i think leonard is so interesting as a person um and i almost wish they would have touched upon him more because one thing that this movie does also do um well i guess i'll I'll come back to that because i was talking about actors because i did want to also call out jonathan groff who again i'm a massive fan of in mindhunter and in the matrix i think he's so good in everything and he's outstanding in this film um and again i think those two um really carry this because it is a it has a lot of indie sensibilities for what is a fairly big film um you know most of this movie is talking in a room um and we said the exact same thing about glass as well which i adore glass but i was like this when you strip it back this is just three people talking in a room for most of it um and it was compelling and exceptional to me i love that film um like we love a lot of films that are just talking of course but i think that um it was interesting to me how much it followed that kind of um same singular narrative as this film um but yeah those two leads for me were like i I could see people liking this movie probably i'd even say dramatically less if you didn't like those two as much as i do um so i thought that they were like a big big win for me um but yeah one of the big ways that the kind of the film tells its story is through flashbacks um because obviously we're in this cabin and so 
he needs to find a way to break up just being in a cabin for 90 minutes so the classic tool to do that is through flashbacks and um i mostly love flashbacks like i i think for obviously i'm currently re-watching lost but i've always associated the best of flashbacks with lost in my opinion um as well as obviously recently playing the last of us games which i also think do a brilliant job of incorporating flashbacks and really contextualizing what's happening in the present present in really interesting ways so when this was the dynamic that this movie like revealed early on i was so excited because i was like oh we're gonna learn so much about eric and andrew and when and leonard and all of these people and like ultimately you learn almost nothing um there was like you say the one reveal with rupert grint's character which again i really don't think adds much to the film and aside from that which is really weird it's all just like character building essentially it's just showing like yeah eric and andrew are just a really happy loving couple and they're just this nice family dynamic and i get that he's kind of really trying to hammer home the emotion of the decision of of truly bringing this awful decision upon this completely innocent family that's like the entire crux of the film but i really wanted just more in these um flashbacks whether there was hints about tying them to why they're the ones chosen rather than this just being something completely random whether there was any hints that the end of the world was around the corner whether we were going to learn more about leonard and all these other people which they really didn't go into any of their backstories other than um i keep saying rupert grint's cat it's redmond isn't it who he plays um redmond was the only one who kind of featured in those and so yeah i i found them to be ultimately a pretty big waste of time um which was a shame so then it just boils down to well, what happened in the cabin did i like it or not and and i was like yeah i liked it it was good it was tense for most of it i was definitely like in it for the ride but it's one of those rides that the second you get off it and you look back on what happened you, you kind of left feeling a little bit empty where i was like oh Ooh. god is that it like like during it that was that was fun but now i look back on it i'm like wait what what was fun about that i mean yeah i really liked dave batista and jonathan gross uh jonathan groff but other than that like god i, I really because the, the kills are, are tame um this is another horror movie that we spoke about recently that just doesn't want to show anything um to the point where i don't even this must be a pg-13 in the states like i'd be stunned if this is r-rated surely not mm. um because I mean, it, it, it shows it, nothing it's i don't know it's weird because it it does show nothing for a hardcore horror audience, but likewise, mm. you know, yeah, we're just, pretty we're just much getting broken. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, we are because he I'm pretty much possessor in every film. I, ne- I nearly spoiled a John <laughs> in the movie, but yeah, I, I do that. detail. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think that it cuts away a lot, mm. but it also shows enough to be fairly graphic. Like, yeah, I, I think, think. Oh man, I was so disappointed with the kills. <sighs> I, I, I don't disagree with you. I just think I, I, I'd be shocked if it was a PG-13. Let's just put it that way. But I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't disagree that I think majority of the kills are cut away. But yeah. I think they, they show 60 to 70% as opposed to like 30%, which most I guess so. cut away do. You know, you see a bludgeoning to a point. You mm. see a stab or whatever to a point. Like... I think you see enough for this to it really ask the question, why did they cut away at all? Why not just show mm. the violence? Because I think I think the violence was also necessary for the, the yeah, emotional definitely. weight of the oh, movie. So and, and yeah. the fact that we don't get to see that violence, we don't carry that emotional weight uh, that the characters have. Oh, that, we, I'm we so glad you said what that. Happens on screen. 
Yeah, you've just kind of verbalized exactly what I was thinking in a better way than mm. I could have said it. Where like, yeah, it isn't just the bloodthirsty part of me that just wants to see kills for the sake of it. Because yeah, we can just I can just go and watch Terrifier. But like, it was because of this is a seven people in a cabin making awful decisions, and that needs to have weight and impact. And so I think when it builds to like the first big moment where it happens, it was that was probably one of the better ones. But I was surprised mm. with how quickly it was over with. And then to me, it wasn't until one of the last kills of the movie where they yeah. really did show it um but the the kind of the middle part of the That's movie the was the <laughs> yeah um so um yeah i'm kind of going a bit long here i was trying to think if there's anything else i want to touch upon before throwing it to you like i think overall i liked it and coming out of it i'm like oh yeah that was cool but the more the more i think about the individual elements of the movie the more i think about what how much hope the initial premise had and how much i think about how much i love m night i don't want to say i'm disappointed because i did like it but i am i'm gonna say it that is the feeling i am slightly feeling now and especially when i look at this current era of m night to me this isn't even i don't want to say close it it isn't as good as the last five you know since the visit i I think i I would watch the script is is vastly not as good as the other five i think is the the answer really because everything else is yeah so i would be yeah that's i want to get your because mm. I'm, I'm fascinated what, what did you make about knock knock at yeah the i mean i'm i'm on a very similar line to you where um i really enjoyed the ride that i was on and i was very tense throughout but when i got off the ride and i turned around at the journey i realized i'd just gone in a straight line mm-hmm. and you know normally with with m night there's twists and turns there's ups and downs and and there, there was very little of that and 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 you know when we get into our kind of spoiler talk we can go into that a little bit more but it just it, it felt anticlimactic when I was out and, and I was like, oh, OK, yeah, I love um, the same as you. I, I love these actors and, and you know, I, those two in particular, but also Rupert Grint, uh, you know, and, and, and seeing him in recently as well. Um, mm. Rupert Grint, I'm like, oh, great. Like he's in another horror movie. And his character was by far the most disappointing character in the whole movie. And yeah, I was going to go all into what, what you had already done where, you know, the, the four people that invade, um, they just have no, um, you know, real backstory and weight behind them. The one that does just, just isn't fulfilling. And the others just, you know, they, they, you know, they've all come there because they've had this vision and they think the world is ending and they all share this common like assumption that, that, what they what you know their plan is gonna save the world and i'm like okay so how did you like like what happened with the vision i would have i would have loved to see more they talked about like message on the message board and stuff but i'm like okay but at what point did you go this cabin at this date but we don't know who's going to be there or do we know who's going to be there like all of these things were like you know and and it was almost like it was it was shrouded in part of the mystery of the movie because you know, uh, early on, I think it's, um, you know, we get Eric in particular, that's very, um, almost willing to go, go, go along with it. And, and that's kind of centered around the fact that he takes a massive whack to the head yeah. and, and, and it's kind of Andrew that's really challenging them and being like, come on, like either you're all deluded or this is some real elaborate game to like fuck us over and make us think this is true. Like, and why would you do that? And I think like ultimately when we get to the end, I would have actually liked to have seen 
our character's motivation as to why why they why they made that journey all that way there and got there and 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 knew you know that they had a procedure you know there there was a step by step plan to get these people believe in what they were saying was true and and why did they have that step by step plan and all of that stuff kind of just none of it came together because it was all shrouded in well you know if we told you that how they got their plan together we'd know whether you know what what angle these people are are going towards and that is part of the mystery of the movie and and so yeah it it just all gets a bit muddled i think and then and ultimately yeah i ended up just enjoying seeing these performances i think it was a very well made movie it was very tense and you know it it was enjoyable but but yeah old as soon as the movie ended i was like oh man i'm i'm really i don't feel like i've just seen an m night movie I feel like I've seen a very well-made movie, but I just don't, you know, I haven't got this conversation about what's just happened and, and the backwards and forwards. And and I think M. Night gets caught in the the twist, you know, oh, M. Night has to have a twist in his movie. And it's not even that M. Night has to have a twist in his movie, but I think M. Night needs to have a a, vo- a talking point in his movie. It's yeah. his His movies need to have a point in it that isn't in the trailer that you want to discuss with people and you only want to discuss it when they've seen the movie. I think, I think that's to me an M night movie and that doesn't need to be a twist, but it needs to be something. Whereas with this, what you've seen in the trailer is, is the movie. And, and I don't really have a discussion points out of that really, other than the ending and how I feel on that, but, but not anything, you know, yeah, it just doesn't feel like an M night coming out of an M night movie, which like I say, it is definitely where I'm feeling where you're at, where it is disappointment, where if we'd have just seen this movie with these people in and kind of, you know, walked out of it, we'd, we'd have probably been fairly buzzed. Like, this is a good movie. Mm. It's definitely not a bad movie. But yeah, I just think sure. with the weight of M. Night and the the run he's been on and, and the originality of, you know, his scripts and the things he brings out, I, I think this ended up feeling, you know, reasonably safe and, and, and just less M nighty than, than, than his, you know, previous bodies of work that we've that specifically what we've reviewed for the show. Um, yeah. So yeah, I end up feeling, you know, disappointed as well. Yeah. There's something I definitely want to follow up on about that in mm. terms of, you know, how M night it feels, but yeah, I definitely want to, you know, give our recommendations now and then do a much earlier spoiler alert mm-hmm. and warning because I think we just have to with this film. But yeah, as far as recommendations go, oh god, <laughs> it's really hard. Like, I, yeah, it's a good horror film for sure. Um, yeah, I'd, I think people should check it out. Like, you probably don't ne- like need to see this on the big screen. Um, mm-hmm. So I think at some point in twenty twenty three, it's definitely worth watching. Um, it probably. Even though you probably, if you've heard this point, you would have known. But, like, it probably is better without seeing the trailer. Um, because then yeah. you probably would have been more involved in those early scenes. Obviously, like, I loved it because of how strong the acting was. But when Leonard comes out of the forest and is talking to Wen, if we didn't have a clue where that was going from that point, And when the other people come out and she runs away and tells her parents, like, that would have been really really tense um but we obviously knew exactly where it was going so i do think it was missing something from that mm. but yeah as far as yeah I, w- I would recommend it it's not like a super strong like last week or other ones that we've done recently where it's like please dear god see this movie yeah. but i'm like yeah, if you're an m night fan you you should check it out and even if you're not um 
he, like I say, this doesn't have a lot of the sensibilities that we love from his films. Um, so this might be more in tune to you. But I do think just as like a tense thriller, it definitely serves a purpose. But you don't need to see this on the big screen. I think that's where I'm coming from. If if you want to see a tense thriller, I would recommend this movie. I think it is also a, a, a very good movie. You know, the sum mm. of all parts are good. Um, I think if you're a huge M. Night fan and you want an M. Night kind of experience, yeah, you probably should see this movie because you're a huge M. Night fan. But actually, you know, you're probably going to feel that disappointment as well. And and I and, and, and that's where, yeah, it's not a huge recommend, but I do. I do think it's a good movie. I don't I don't certainly don't feel like I wasted my time or anything like that. Um, no. I guess we're going to throw up spoiler warning. But before we go into kind of the ending, I wanted to just bring up one other little thing, but then we can go into the ending as well. But we might as well throw up a spoiler warning now. Yeah, just do it for everything. Like full yeah. spoiler alert from this point from anything. And obviously you can just jump around wherever you'd like. But I think from mm-hmm. this point on, all, all yeah. bets are off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing I just wanted to mention as well was when we kind of get into the, the, these four people saying the, what the end of the world is going to happen. And obviously when um, Redmond kind of dies and we get that first TV uh, uh, mm. video kind of uh, um, uh, show. And I think kind of, I was like, and I, and I guess that's kind of what maybe he's trying to go for, but they didn't feel good. The, the cutaway video clips, a lot of them, apart from, the the airplanes falling out the sky the airplanes falling out the sky really was like oh shit but i think all the ones before it didn't feel like actual news articles like news clips i think the 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 big tidal wave with the video clip i was like at least put like something on there that they're like live streaming it or something like have this video clip and like and then and then with the with the kind of plague illness covid whatever you want to call it again like yeah. we've seen those articles on on news so much over the last few years um this one didn't feel like as real as shit we've already seen so i i i didn't i didn't like the 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 cutaway tv moments which i think are a huge part of like the impact of this movie and and the mm. only one that really was impactful was was the planes i think that was done well and and did did hit me more but by that point i'd almost you know we'd had two or three that didn't land and yeah i I was a bit i was disappointed by those as well as part of this movie i completely agree where like if your if your selling point is end of the world um then it needs to portray that and this didn't it will like you say the planes fall in the sky was great but um yeah tidal wave it, it looked crazy but it was just a small beach like i you know i want to see like mm-hmm. a town get ravaged by waves and with the other stuff yeah like i think with the the kind of illness that was very covidy i think they didn't just i think they re- really just didn't want to show that where they were like yeah. yeah you know what this looks like so that's why yeah. they glossed over it so quickly and why it was so rubbish on screen because they were like yeah you get the point and they basically said like it was an illness that only targets children basically yeah. it was like their one hook um so yeah that was weird so yeah they could have just done such a better job of the impetus but i do think it's the biggest one of the problems with this film is that it's presenting us with a not with a choice. It's presenting us with these four strangers, and it's whether or not we want to believe it, like whether or not the family needs to believe it to then make the choice. And mm-hmm. so, they they present us with the option, but then it, it feels like it's obvious that it is real kind of early on. Yeah. And even if there's like um, 
the you know like oh they're just piping in a fake tv show and stuff it to me there was never this like like again you're watching an m night movie so you might think to yourself oh there's going to be a twist or whatever on it but it it, it just never felt like that um the, like that was ever going to be presented where it was like no this is clearly the choice and also we're never going to know why any of this is happening like that was to me quite frustrating was i get that it's supposed to just be a moral dilemma more than anything but in terms of like why the answer to why to any of this it was so clear like why these four people targeting these three people it was just it was never going to be answered and i think it's a shame because in that aspect of it you know we talked about it with old where like he actually went and explained all of the shit that was happening (laughs) on the beach at the end and 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 like he didn't need to but i fucking loved it because i love the weirdness of his films and Mm. there was like a hint of it when obviously um is it er eric sees the Mm. like the flash on the the mirror which like i caught and i was like oh what the hell was that and then when he talks about it later on and how he's like i I thought i saw this figure i was like oh this is where we're gonna get some weird shit in the final act that i'm really gonna vibe with it's gonna feel more sci-fi he it's gonna maybe even you know feel like um cabin in the woods kind of vibe where it's just going to go a bit more crazy than it is because it's so restrained for the whole time and yeah it just never does that it's it hints at these grandiose big ideas but ultimately it's a very small contained film um which i do think is what's so disappointing and and like i say the you know we get the redmond as like the first death and and then again it follows that weird trajectory of it felt the entire time like we knew where it was going where once, I was like, oh, Redman, once Redmond yeah. killed him, was killed, I knew, knew that the other four were going to go. You knew that the other two were 100% well, yeah. going to go before, well, yeah. any, before the family made a choice. I was like, well, it's clearly going to be Leonard and the three of them left, like, obviously. So then it was just a waiting game to see them get killed off. And that's such a weird feeling about characters where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just waiting for you to die now. And the fact that they die the exact same way pretty much, but less interesting and less sort of well acted in that moment of death, to me just wasn't... Didn't well, have the, much more, impact. the more I think about that as as you were talking, the more I think actually that whole part of the movie I didn't enjoy because you've got the tension in the the opening, mm. and then you then you have the the tension of Redmond's death, which is tense, and you you're like because you're not expecting it. Like I wasn't no. quite sure what was happening, gonna happen. Yeah, it puts like and, the white mask on and stuff. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. The, the second that happened, and we got the the, the 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 news article that didn't land for me. Then, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, well, clearly these other two are going to die and we're going to get some other news articles. And guess what? They were even worse with, like, the COVID one and stuff. And and so, actually, like, that whole chunk of the movie isn't great for me. No. And, and it really, you know, it picks up again once we're left with Leonard and, and the three. Um, because because then suddenly we have this tension again. Obviously, we have the gun coming into play and, and all of that stuff. And it, and, it, and it does amp up again. But I think as well, like, the movie pulls on on so many different threads and then just just leaves them like slightly frayed because i think like eric and andrew you know they was really starting to create this gulf between the two of them and i think the 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 kind of um flashbacks of their relationship and and showing this strong bond and when they when they um uh, adopted when and all of that stuff was great and it really established this this really strong bond and their, their little saying that they kind of have that's like like me and you against the world or it's not that but it's it's, it's close to that isn't it they're, they're saying mm. um and and i was like okay cool 
And then suddenly we see this divide where Eric is kind of like a believer quite early on and Andrew's not. And Andrew's very the aggressor and trying to protect his family, especially when we find out what happened to him and with Redmond and everything else. And I was really fascinated about all that. And then suddenly we got into the final act and it was like, no, no, Andrew's just like, oh, yeah, shit, this is the end of the world, isn't it? Like, mm. no, 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 you don't die, you kill me. And it just became this really, I, I thought that scene was disappointing again, where it was like, you kill me, no, you kill me, no, you kill me. And by mm. the end of it, I didn't feel this emotional weight of one of the characters dying, A, because it happened off screen again, which which <laughs> loses the emotional weight. And B, because it argued so much, I just wanted one of them to die because I needed to get past this moment. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, that's the thing. Like, I think the more I think about it and the more I unpick it, the more I do chip away at this movie because when you take away the, 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 the way this looks and the open intention and the performances, the script really lets it down. And I think, you know... I don't want to rag and, and give M. Night a, a get out, but, you know, this isn't an original story for M. Night. Oh, well, you know, we'll get to that. That was going to be my next point. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I do wonder, like, why the hell he's doing it. Like, someone that's got, like, this this obscene, crazy imagination, why why are you taking IP and, and just adapting that? Like, yeah, not, well, not, not that you're lesser for doing that, but I just, I just don't get it when you have the talent to create your own crazy IP and... and you know, then when this is unsatisfying, I'm like, yeah, because you just you didn't make an M Night movie because you you just took an existing IP. I think it's why he's been able to do oh. this turnaround oh. so quickly because obviously his last two movies now have been based upon other things. Um, but I think yeah, so I'm so glad you brought it up because that was going to be my next point of like I'd already kind of seen the movie, thought about it, and and had my opinions. But then I really oh. wanted to go out and look because I was like, okay what the hell is this book so i read a full synopsis quite a long one of this book so i read um, the book <laughs> yeah. i wish i had done now um because yeah the cabin at the end of the world from 2018 mm. um i can already tell you just reading the synopsis is way better than this film um <laughs> the like the first act is the same identical the second act is fairly similar. The third act, he he threw it out completely and set fire to it and wrote his own oh, really? ending. Oh, yeah, and it's like, what, like, again, this, I'm going to be cutting myself off constantly here, but, like, we're living in a world where we're getting one of the greatest adaptations of all time right now, and it's it's the reason why is because it's it's adding to the source material it's making me remember the parts that i love but also adding to it. and it's just all these beautiful things and i think that's what's so joyous about great adaptations but then stuff like this annoys me so much and i've not even read the book if you've read the book you will hate this film because what the entire yeah well like the the first of all it's never answered whether it is the end of the world whereas m night just straight mm. up does answer that question um there's a massive change in the middle of the movie which is when they get the gun there's a mm. fight breaks out and they accidentally shoot and kill when i do you um, know what i i I thought that was going to happen in this movie. Did because, you? <laughs> because, well, in the second half of the movie, she's just not there. Like, literally, yeah, at one point, I know. Like, go to the treehouse, will you? Yeah, for, for the final act. <laughs> you know, so I, was like, I was like, 
why is she in this movie? And and would have been dead at that point. Yeah, we, that's that's hilarious. It's a, it's a choice of three people, but then like I say, they go, oh well, actually, it's a choice of two people um, because that's what it is in the book. But in the book, she's dead at this point. And so yeah, like that's this huge impactful moment. That's when the whoever of the visitors who have broken at that point feel like overwhelming guilt because they kind of see the realization of it. And also, it doesn't count because she wasn't a willing sacrifice. So when dies, but it doesn't change anything. One of the Eric or Andrew still needs to be a willing sacrifice sacrifice and so it kind of plays out leonard is actually dies before sabrina sabrina is the last person and then she still lays it all out and is like there's still time to do it after i kill myself and she kills herself and so then it is just left with eric and andrew and they choose to not make a decision they choose that they've already lost enough with this with when and they're just going to walk away from it all and that's how the book ends is they just walk away and you don't know what their choice was whether it was all bullshit or whether the world actually ended um and it's so much better than what we got in this film where they tell you everything that happened like you say it becomes a really cliched story about parents literally fighting each other about who can die to almost be the better parent because oh well you're the shit parent because you wouldn't kill yourself you're You're gonna gonna be alive and you'll get to experience all that stuff but but Mm, i am the hero i am the hero like yeah i hated it And, and as you said that synopsis of what happened I was picturing that visualization of it in this movie, and I was like, mm. "Damn, I like that movie more." Hundred percent. Yeah, super sad. Um, yeah, but I think I think that's what this movie needed because it needed a twist. It needed a it needed something, a catalyst, because ultimately it became so vanilla, mm. and it, it and it was almost like M Night was like, "Okay, I want to do this, but I don't want to have a twist that I didn't write, so I'm gonna untwist it and make it vanilla." <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's very strange. Um, because because yeah i think like i think as well they they really throw out the question in the final act of well what about us three as a family what Mm -hmm. about us versus the world because i think of that with like the people i love and i'm thinking like like when when this first happened to him i was like okay if i was in the cabin if i was one of those if i was you know one of those three people in the cabin like how would I feel? Like, would I be willing to give up the only people I give a shit about? And and especially when they bring in the fact that, like, they've been attacked, you know, they've spent their entire lives, their fam- their parents have turned their back on them because of their choice of being, a, a you know, a, a gay couple and a gay couple that have adopted this daughter. I think, like, that even adds to the argument even stronger. Like, it is really us three. Like, screw the world. Like, we've found each other. We've got this perfect love. And you know we, we we're not going to lose that for anyone and and suddenly they're like you know especially when when eric was kind of saying like oh i know people hate us and i know they've wronged us but you know there's more of them right like you know <laughs> it's not fair to get rid of billions of you know people that uh, don't like us or not even billions of people that don't like us but you know all of these people that don't like us and billions of people on the planet mm. and just keep us that's just not fair like dude like you do you You've yeah it was problem. it was like, really frustrating know, like, because by changing this entire way. story and kind of mm. reworking it what he ends up doing is really stripping away from the impact of this being like a gay couple at the core of this because yeah. i think what the book does that's really interesting is they lose when in this horrific incident and then they say at that point screw it like we've already given up so much and at this point it's really not worth it all we have is each other and so what will happen will happen which i think is like a totally fair thing to say in that situation whereas in the film he 
actually rewrites it to be a incredibly cliched ending for a gay couple, which is that, oh, we can't possibly live happy together in this yeah, world. Yeah. So one of us has to die for you to live on with our child. Like it, it's really, really shit. And like I say, it's, we just watched the film and it didn't sit well with us. But I think once you get the actual context of why um, and seeing like, because, yeah, we basically said it without saying it, which is that the setup of this movie is fantastic, but it falls apart in the final act. And then when you look into it and you're like, what? but why? Why, why did he change it I, I all? And... As well, like like you said, the the weight of them as a, as a gay couple and then just to be like, yeah, to, to throw that away and be like, oh, we've had a little bit of happiness, which is more than we deserve almost, mm. you know, like that, that felt really, you know, not, you know, especially after watching episode three of the last. <laughs> yeah. Like, the time you know is mean? crazy. Yeah. But, but also then when you tell me the plot of the book and I'm like, man, I love the fact that, you know, especially if we'd have seen their relationship and seeing mm. when, and then them losing her and being, and then literally being like, do you know what? F the world. Like if, if this is true, let the apocalypse happen. We've got each other. We haven't with the one other person we cared about is gone anyway. So let everyone burn and we'll be together and we'll witness the end of the world together. And I feel like that would have been like this, this, you know, weird Romeo and Juliet on its head, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, story of, a of them bringing in the apocalypse. And I think kind of, yeah, I I just like the book way more. <laughs> I also think like that is super interesting because you you the the thing is there's ambiguity to it and that there's the reason why you could probably ultimately never make that choice is because there's no guarantees. And I think that's Ooh. what's so strong about this setup is that even if you fully believe it you still don't know. You don't know if this is all bullshit. You mm. don't know if it is the end of the world. And also, it could just be the end of the world. And your little situation in it is just with a bunch of crazed lunatics who thought they could prevent it. But ultimately, it's just like, nope, this is just the doomsday clock. Hit the number and we're all dead now. Um, yeah, well, so maybe just enjoy your final moments together. Like, Andrew starts to go there and then instantly mm. dismisses it. When I think it's when the planes start to fall from the sky. And he's trying to yeah. rationalize it then. And he's like, do you know what? This could just be a ton of coincidences. And yeah, the world is ending, but we're not going to stop it. Like, mm. we, we should just enjoy our time together. Like, yeah. you know, and, and they, they, yeah, they just dismiss a lot. I think the more we've gone into spoilers, and like I say, you know, I think we were being tepid earlier on in our conversation because we couldn't go spoilery. And I think mm. we already weren't hot on the movie. And then when you actually get into a discussion on the spoilers and the end and, and everything, let alone, you know, the, the taking the book thing aside, you know, we've gone into that enough, I think. But like the movie we were given, I just think, you know, it, it, it with a lot of frustration. Um, it really is. Because I think if you. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, if you try and view it casually, which is obviously mm. when we spoke about it earlier, of just like, oh, is it a tense thriller? It definitely is. Mm. But then obviously when we talk about things on a podcast, you have to delve into it deeper. And that's when sadly faults become so much more prevalent. And that's why strong things like acting aren't like they, they don't matter here because we're talking about plot. We're talking about changes and we're talking about why it wasn't satisfying in the end. And it's like, yeah, Dave Batista, Dave Batista is still incredible in this film. Mm. <laughs> like none of these things that we're saying right now have any to do with that and it's actually more power to him that he can still i still think this is his best performance even though i've he's in way better overall films than this is he, um, he is great as well like i hadn't yeah. upon it myself but like i really thought he was great in this movie and especially because 
he he's such a huge human being like <laughs> such a huge distracting human being and he has to be aware of that and use his body in his acting performances when he's not just being drax mm. or whatever you know and and i'm like and and leonard that character does it so well where he plays this gentle giant and and you know it was almost like of mice and men like where mm. you know that you know he he's simplistic but he knows what he he knows and he cares strongly about the things that he cares strongly about and he will protect those things and i really love that simplicity for his character um you know and and i and his delivery of it i thought was fantastic um there, there was one thing that popped into my head that i really wanted to bring up and that was when they locked him in the bathroom <laughs> and he smashes the window mm. i'm like in what universe does anyone <laughs> think that he got out of that fucking window <laughs> yeah it's so funny like when would have got out of that window dave batista yeah. does, does not get out of that window dave batista barely gets through a door it's because like he has to slouch to get through a door frame and, and go sideways because <laughs> <laughs> like, it got to the point where i'm like oh okay he's clearly not out the window and then they kind of like, looked in the room for ages and i'm like <laughs> fuck are they actually going at the angle that he actually went through that window and i'm like nah and then, and then obviously he jumps out and i'm like oh you got me dave you got yeah. me like, of course you didn't fit through that window you giant man that was uh, fantastic like, i imagine if they had tried to make it appropriate to his size it would have been the most obscene bathroom window oh, that anyone's imagine? ever seen well it would have been it would have been you know yeah <laughs> it had to be like it a house made of glass <laughs> for that to work oh uh, yeah oh hilarious but yeah, yeah i think I think we at least had a fun conversation about it. I think, you yeah. know, ultimately as well, though, I really do think, like I say, do you, do you have another positive thing to end on? Cause I, I have one negative. I want to bring up. <laughs> I do too. What you was going oh. to, unfortunately, okay, damn it. <laughs> it was, you know, I think Eric and Andrew really, it really was a disappointment mm. with, with how lackluster. And, and I think, you know, when we, when when I looked at that final moment of decision making and we talk about a movie that has been tense throughout, mm. I really did feel zero tension in that moment. Yeah. And I think and I think that's the most disappointing bit when I think they did a great job of establishing their love, you know, and establishing their bond. And and they threw it out the window. And so I did, because it they just became it yeah, it just became this argument of who's gonna be the better parent by sacrificing themselves which just felt very cheap and a very cheap ending for, for their characters um so yeah th that's my overall ending frustration on it Wait, what's, what's your ending frustration oh, God, there, there was another one but i just remembered another weird small thing which is just one of those weird like plot devices and, and again it's not even like it's just a little bit annoying when you're watching it of like they they slash the tires on their car and so they're yeah, like yeah. oh we can't leave now what you can you can drive a car with slashed tires, right? Like it's obviously not good, but it'll get you from it from this saving is, your life, is, right? This is a fucking thing that happens in a lot of horror movies, hmm. and I'm like, you, you'll get. I mean, I guess like if they're completely slashed and you're they, they are, it's like fifty miles away or something. Maybe well, you'd and, be screwed. But you can, you can get like away dirt, from the cabin, well, and they're on a dirt track, so with yeah, traction to move. But on a road, oh yeah, maybe yeah. On a road, can you drive? I mean, I, I something I have to Google. I mean, I've certainly drove with a flat tire. I've One seen videos thing. of people with with like multiple flats, and it's yeah, like, like you're, you're moving. Like it's, yeah, like, I can see the gears know, smashing against the road, but like it's you, you can. Yeah, have you're gonna fuck the car up, but yeah, yeah, 
it's it's a weird one. It does feel. I mean, like it's just, in a life or death situation. I think you go fuck this car. I'm going to try it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like if it, it blows feels, up, it blows up. It feels like a a, a horror movie trope where oh, it's it just is, like yeah. you see the slash ties. You're like that's game over. You know, you um. You C4 on the car and blowing up. It's like, yeah. no, I would have believed that, <laughs> but they just every, don't want to do that. Everyone in the world has an external wire that is very easy to find that you can cut to get rid of a phone line as well. Yeah, definitely. Like, like, like you know how to cut a phone line? Like, where's your phone line outside your house? Like, is, <laughs> no there a, is there a wire that someone could just cut that, that eliminates this all... phone? Yeah. <laughs> like you know what i mean like that is also a, just a thing in horror movies that you have to yeah but that wasn't the, the only last thing i did want to bring up just because this was another thing that i was excited for was that the the cinematographer for this film is jaron blashk who i think is the best cinematographer in the world um his last two movies prior to this is the lighthouse and the northman really? uh, people may have, oh, may have heard of those two movies that, didn't we yeah yeah, obviously two movies that both won our best film of the year. And I think one of the main reasons for both of those is the look of those films. He's obviously an Oscar nominated for his cinematography. I, I genuinely think he's the best in the world at it. And yeah, he's his next project is Nosferatu for Robert. And so he's only really done Robert stuff in the last six years. And then this was this weird outlier of like, oh, M. Night's got him. And, and that was, to me, the most exciting thing when we first heard about this film and we knew nothing else about it. was It, it was like one of my favorite directors and easily my favorite favorite cinematographer like build like join of forces and i think there isn't anything about this movie that is particularly special in terms of the way it looks like there's some cool camera tricks um in the cabin the way it kind of swings around and especially in some of the action sequences like with the gun and stuff they they do a good enough job of making that feel a little bit more exciting than than it could have but in terms of like visual outside establishing shots and some and stuff like that let alone the um the end of the world stuff that we mentioned where that could have been potential like a you know a Yaren, a jaron blashk like style end of the world footage like just the idea of that you know take that what he what he's his visual style was of those previous mm. movies and have it in like an end of the world backdrop that sounds so exciting to me and we did not get that in the slightest so i did want to call that out as i think something that's very very disappointed about this film as we mentioned as well like the movie but you definitely don't need to see this on the big screen and that's like the exact opposite that i would say about all of his other films like you need to see them on the biggest like most gorgeous screen possible um so yeah another another sad one um but yeah, an interesting one. Like it's it is weird because I do feel like we sound like we fucking hate this film. Um, <laughs> I know, and I don't. I, I do like it. It's just <laughs> yeah, expectations, I guess, and, and standards. You know, especially is that. Me. Yeah, and I think that is my takeaway is that, you know, we said going into this, like, I'd even said, like, oh, could he be, you know, the first guy to have four entries in our top 10? And I think you said last week, like, oh, he probably will, like, based upon, like, his previous films. And, like, saying that right now, I'm like, it would have to be, I think, a pretty bad year for this to be a top 10 movie. Again, it's not, I think it's a good film. But yeah. I think we're. A, I think early podcast. This would have snuck into like an eighth or ninth or even tenth. Well, that's spot. what I'm like. Like, how many years would this get into a top ten? The first it, couple it, it probably would. The first couple, like, yeah, yeah not that. that. No, no. Last few years, don't no, obviously bar on the COVID year. Like, I think mm. from like 2018 to now, again, excluding 2020 because that was a weird thing. I, no, I don't think any of those top tens this would make, mm. um, which is a shame. But yeah, well, that that's something that to, that we don't have to worry about now. But. Uh, yeah, it's God. It's a it's a weird one, isn't it? Like, it's always a bit of a shame. Like, it's weird with this. Um, we've seen so many amazing movies recently, but I feel like we have had a couple of the 
maybe the directors that you know i, I obviously i'm thinking mostly about jordan here um mm. which again i think it's weird because i would put these two movies quite on par with each other in terms of like these were movies that i thought were good but i would probably never watch again and it's like that's fine for most films um yeah. you know if i would have thought that about there's something wrong with the children if i'd have been like oh that's a good film but i'll never watch it again i'll take that but you're obviously not going to take that about your favorite directors i want to no, watch exactly. movies time and time again i like this um, movie a lot more than nope <laughs> did you yeah yeah <laughs> man i've been thinking about like oh, i really need to rewatch it because like yeah. so many people love it and i'm like god i'm so jealous yeah. of you guys yeah. um i've tried i'm over it <laughs> yeah i am I, i'm with you that of like i'm yeah i'm past the point of caring about wanting to love that film i'm like yeah i still love two of his films and i still like i think he's an exceptional director um so fingers crossed whatever will be his next thing but uh yeah mad tangents but i always enjoy these these chats for sure um but yeah that was our discussion on knock at the cabin we will take a quick break and we will be right back Oh yeah, so we got we got something else to talk about. I feel pretty exhausted after that conversation. I do too. I do too. <laughs> I was pretty like in depth. I will say that obviously we're going to talk about the Last of Us episode four, but I don't I don't think it's like a massive one in terms of needing these huge talking points. No, um, as I, always, I, I will say spoiler alert. Obviously for episode four. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that is the thing that like we're not going to go into crazy detail because I think this one is a fairly by the book I, I still had a great time i thought it was a great episode but it didn't do anything batshit crazy i think what this what this episode did f- exquisitely well that that really made me happy was build that alien joel relationship that yeah, was, was a necessity and it was fantastic the joke book execution at the start of the episode <laughs> i was buzzing and at the end it almost brought a tear to my eye pedro pascal is something else man i know i love like, him so much He's on another planet because Joel in the video game is purposefully very one minded mm. and he's very much a henchman. That, and, and obviously, you know, it's just a very different setup. He, the violence is much more prevalent. But with this, Joel's character has all of that. And he is, he is, you know, scary, strong and can kill someone and, and not, you know, we can see that when someone's begging for their life, but he knows what he needs to do, he'll do it. He'll do anything to protect the ones he loves slash cargo. And, and I think that's great. And, but also, you know, that, and that's the Joel we know from the game, but what Pedro brings is this, this softness to the character that just, he does on a dime where suddenly he, you know, when he laughs at Ellie's joke and has that laughter fallen asleep, it, it just, it made me so happy and, and, and just made me realize how special it is having him in that role. Um, I think Bella as well, like really the, the execution of the, the, the kind of childish banter and the way that, you know, you can't be annoying. You need to be likable, but it also has to be very kid-like when she, when she hits those, um, jokes and those puns and and laughing about them but then she also needs to have these real mature sides when she talks about she's already killed someone and i think her dialogue is is perfect i'm still not 
100% like there with everything on her like I am Joel but but I but I think her dialogue is just out of this world the way she delivers it is is you know clearly why she's in the role because it, it makes it makes Ellie feel like the video game Ellie a hell of a lot yeah for me I, I like the episode a lot again obviously um there was things I didn't Ooh. like which I will get to but I think by far the best thing was Joel and Ellie like you say I think that mm. them they've just gone better and better um the relationship I you know waiting for the joke book I'd already I kind of was thinking oh they're not going to use it because it would have it comes much earlier in the video game mm. um so I thought you know oh they're not using it so the second it was brought up this early the fact that it's the exact same jokes from the from the video game as well was so special to me um, <laughs> yeah. so I loved that all of that dynamic i also like again the the character building like the one scene that really stood out to me was when he's teaching her how to use the gun because yeah look in her eyes like she's so happy that he's finally reluctantly let her have this gun and teach her and it's like this this look in her eyes at like oh this is this parent that i've always wanted and always cherished and i'm so happy right now and then the other the way that scene ends when he's like put it in your bag and she doesn't is like oh, yeah. no that's ellie it's like she loves joel or she wants to love joel so much and and definitely wants his respect and wants his protection more than anything but she's still going to be her own person and she's still going to be rebellious and not do everything he says um so and, it is, and it shows as well that she's not sarah yeah you know the the um he's you know that that is the first time they bonded as you know as a parental figure mm. you know until then he has just been a henchman that the doesn't want her to get hurt because she is cargo you know that that is literally how he's felt until that moment i think it was certainly shown her that side he i think he's felt those feelings but he's never shown them and Showing her that gun was his way of saying, well, you're still cargo and I want you to be able to defend yourself because that's going to make you easier to transport. Mm. But it was a real parental moment. And I think like that was super strong. And he, but he would, you know, that that's not something that he would have done with Sarah. You know, I think a lot of t- TV and games and films or whatever would have like had a flashback of her riding a bike. Mm. And then he's shown Ellie how to ride a bike. And it's like, no you can be a parent to someone else and, and think about, you know, the child you lost, but you don't, it doesn't need to be a mimic of what you did. Like Ellie is unequivocally not Sarah, but that does not mean he cannot start to feel that, that bond and that relationship with her. Yeah. It's great. I think like, I really want to know what you think of it, but I want to say in terms of obviously in the game, this is mm-hmm. um, an extremely gameplay heavy section where mm-hmm. the car breaks down, they're attacked by the raiders, and then we're essentially going through um, it's Pittsburgh in the game, not Kansas. And yeah. it's where either, you know, stealth section and avoiding clickers, or it's crazy action sequences involving raiders or Fedra. And that's an entire section until we obviously meet Henry and Sam, who we only get a bit of it, right at the end of this episode. Um, and so, obviously, to change that, um, we then get introduced to a new character called kathleen in the tv show Mm -hmm. which um i don't want to sound too harsh because i think this is clearly Mm. part one of part two (laughs) um this is clearly a a, like a two episode arc in the middle of the series that we're going to get the conclusion to henry sam and kathleen next week so we'll talk about what i think of it properly then but i think what i've seen so far i'm not too keen on i think um melanie linsky is fantastic and i loved her casting because she's so sweet typically and so Mm. likable and so Mm. to play this role is great for her but immediately once we get that set up with her talking to the guy who she's interrogating um wasn't happy and keen with her motivation at all and what she was doing um it's we just don't know it we don't know it, but it's also it's way too similar to something that happens later on in the games which i'm not going to spoil but it's like 
unbelievably similar um and and again it's just glossed over but like her motivation and everything for what she's doing i was like jesus christ are you really doing this now neil like what the hell are you doing so like that bothered me for starters because it just felt like a shit watered down version of a really good character that we'll see later on um and then obviously they needed to just add another antagonist because you can't just have what what was in the game which was fantastic gameplay and so this i think is a great example of what we saw with bill and frank last week they were able to add so much to the characters and give it so much depth that was never there in the games because the gameplay was so strong at this point of just going through bill's time with the traps mm. i think this is a good example of to me the game was so much better because the game was yeah. like it was frilling creeping around from the clickers the clickers the um the action sequences involving fedra and the raiders is just so goddamn exciting and so like you're, you're so worrying about where ellie is and the fact that she can sometimes help you by like throwing a brick and stuff is awesome so i think that this was the first example to me of like playing the game for this part for me was so much better than watching the tv show because yes we got the joel early stuff which was great but they had to just add an antagonist for the sake of it um because what else would have happened in this episode it would have just been joel and ellie so they felt like they needed some sort of threat and i would have just much rather they got to henry and sam a lot quicker i was kind of stunned that they kept it until the like a cliffhanger right at the end so again yeah. I, I might sound harsh because i know we're, I'm, I'm gonna get a lot of the answers to this stuff next week and maybe i'll love everything they do with henry sam and kathleen in particular but what did you make specifically of like her as like a brand new character in this part of the story yeah well i i found a lot of it confusing because mm-hmm. obviously her being a new character and she's thrown in but then she starts throwing out the name henry yeah and then eventually the name sam and i'm like okay we know who henry and sam are mm. when when the episode ends it, if you've not seen the game you don't know whether those two people are henry and sam no. you've got a decent idea they are yeah but you you don't know that and 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 as, as someone that's played the game, I don't know what her motivation is to hate them so much. Um, Obviously, you know, and it in that in the conversation, that's all we get is like that that guy basically ratted out where Henry was, and then Henry ratted out where I think it was was it her brother or a partner was, and so then Fedra yeah. killed that person. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's just it's, a revenge I mean, mission, basically based upon yeah, what Henry did. I mean, it's like that's. It's completely unnecessary yeah. in this part of the story. Getting to just Henry and Sam would have been so much better. We didn't need this at all. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that, like, we know from part two that that Neil got obsessed with not having faceless um, antagonists, mm. and I think like oh, that was so funny. Is the, the bit with um that, with Ellie. Yeah, I'm Brian. Yeah, I'm Brian. I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah. oh, they're bringing out the yeah. old part two trick early. Yeah. <laughs> Give and everyone I like, a name. I, I get it. I get it. And I get that in the show, there's going to be less violence. It needs to have more weight. And we want to know who these people are. But I think it's almost to the detriment that, um, you know, you, 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 you have this time. Because I think Kathleen, like I said, I think her performance was great. And, and I quite like her being this kind of sweet voice, terrifying, you know, leader um could be fun but but ultimately i just i there's more characters that i want to meet and i didn't need this new no. one and i think let alone the sidekick and obviously because you know that felt weird as well because mm-hmm. it just felt like they were trying to crowbar in i can't think of the actor's name now but obviously he plays you tommy, know, yeah. yeah he plays tommy in the video game so they just wanted to bring him in and i'm like oh man if that if that's what like troy and ashley feel like that's going to be really yeah the more you think about that as well i'm like god it just yeah i to me this was so unnecessary it could have been joel Mm. and ellie 
doing what they were doing and then they should have just yeah. met Henry and Sam a lot quicker because I think waiting until next week it's like okay again we're going to have more answers next week I, but I was expecting I was, this to be the Henry and, Henry and Sam episode and I, I wasn't as disappointed as you though mm. I think with it kind of sounds like i am and i'm not because i do i do think that was a bit of a misstep but i think some of it did have good weight i think and i think she she is a you know a good um antagonist i think when she gets that gun when she when she kind of says to them when they kind of come back with the dead and she's like could a doctor help you yeah and they're like (laughs) no and she just takes the gun and she then just just like not like pinpoint assassinates him like she can she can use that weapon she didn't she it wasn't like a fury of bullets she just one in the head Mm -hmm. is exactly what happened i bet that was center between his eyes and she did it without flinching and i was like man like okay she has my attention like um and you know obviously the sinkhole kind of again i'm very curious about that but i think that my my disappointment from this episode was more that you know, we haven't seen a clicker again. Mm. You know, we haven't seen infected again for an episode, like at all in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised about think... that though. I really didn't think they'd be but, in this that much. But well, yeah, but when you spoke about the game, like how much? That's like, what I'm saying. Uh, the game, this part of the game, is infinitely better than the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we needed to have like, and and it would almost be like because I think that the 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 journey of this episode is Joel and Ellie's bond growing mm. and that is fully achieved. And I almost caveat, like why not let them have multiple scenes where there's clickers and stuff going on instead of um, Kathleen and their relationship building, because I'd love to see the clickers again. And I'd have almost like that and just get rid of the, the mercenary slash Fredra and all of that stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I still don't, I don't see it as a, a huge negative but i am with you that yeah the game was was very enjoyable through these parts and and the tv show was still very good but just it didn't it didn't create an adjacent adjacent for for the better like it has the last two times it's yeah. kind of you know sidetracked exactly i think this how... time it's yeah this is still good but it's not better than the game and and and, and this show was doing the unthinkable with other characters where every time it, you know until you know, for multiple, well, for episode two and three, we're like, shit, those moments were stronger in the show than in the game. Yeah, that's like, what was so no, unbelievable that, that to me. And I think it was, yeah. I, and again, I still think this is a great episode of a TV show, so mm. I don't think it will affect most people. But I think no. this was, to me, the first time where um, it was clear to me that this part of the story was so much better to play than to this, watch. This, um, this episode still exceeds, like, my hope for what this show would be. Oh, 100%. Like, if this was what the show was, I'd still be very happy with it. Definitely, because the, the main yeah. aspect of, of The Last of Us in general is yeah. Joel and Ellie. And as we just said, to me, this was their best episode mm. um, out of all of them. I think yeah. each one has gone better and better in terms of Joel and Ellie's, like, relationship and dynamic. Already, though, I, I start to have questions about like, and, and I think that's what they've done well. Where I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to go exactly as the game, or mm. are they going to throw a curveball? Because they've thrown enough curveballs at me at this point. Yeah, like I Sam was, and Henry. I was thinking. I'm that. not going to go into spoilers. No. I'm not going to go into spoilers. But we know what happens. Like what we think is going to happen in the next episode. We know from the game. Is that going to happen? Like that could happen. Like next week, we could be saying, "Yep, scene for scene, it happened how it happened in the game, pretty much." 
Or we could say, well, yeah, that was completely fucking different. Like, we just got a 20-year story of their love instead of uh, one note. Like, you know, what what are we going to get? And especially when we, we talk about a certain character that we haven't, that, that is popular in the games, although they never get seen. Mm. Like, they, they can, they could, that could just be the whole episode next week about them. Or they could just be a note that they pick up or not even reference. Like, yeah, they... they and, and that's what I really like about this show. I think they've thrown enough curveballs at me that it's not different and I dislike it, but it's not just the story that I've played in the video game. So therefore I know beat for beat what's going to happen. I'm always on the edge of my seat being like, okay, cool. And even when it's people like characters like Kathleen that I'm not absolutely in love with, it's a curveball just keeping me guessing. I'm like, well, what's she going to do now? Like, is she going to cause us problems in the story that I know? Like, you know, what's what's going on? She's so, still a massive thing, and and like I say, because yeah. she's new to us, yeah, all of that stuff's completely fresh. But yeah, I, and so I, I really like that aspect of it that they've managed to pull off. I love that because as we just compared it to another adaptation of like what what they did with that film and and Knock at the Cabin was like mm. they just completely threw out the ended and completely made their own thing. Whereas I think what they're clearly doing with The Last of Us is that they are more than willing to deviate at times. But I am one hundred percent convinced that the main overall story will. Yeah, yeah mean the same um and i think that's what's fascinating is whether or not i think season one i'm like almost 100 percent certain of that but it will be fascinating going forward of like yeah, how yeah. much would they want to play with things of change things of you know there's all this talk about will they adapt to part two but like there's a whole other aspect they they could do like a whole season like the last of us the tv show season two could be all brand new and then season three could be could be part two of the games so they could easily just do that um so there's like so many different the more things the more do. I've thought about it, the more they they have to almost deviate well, I don't for a little bit. Yeah, yeah I, I think don't so think as they well. go straight into part two. I think so. Not, I, I, you you know why as well as I do, mm. but I, I but also I just I just um I I, I think that w- that that's a better way for them to flex their their kind of already kind of you know their their artistic flair in adding to this mm. mythology, like to fill in that just complete blank gap yeah. between part one and part two. Mm-hmm. They could have so much content, so many new characters. Oh, can you imagine and... right now is so desperate to fill in that void? And, yeah. and especially because now he's got Craig to bounce ideas off. Like you can tell when yeah. they, and especially Craig, I'm sure, like when he played part two, he was probably Badger and Neil constantly being like, so what the hell happened within this? So I imagine the two of them have already well, out together. The, 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 best, the best bit is, is that in part two, there are flashbacks to that bit yeah, between exactly. part one and part yeah. two that we could just get those tiny bits in season two mm. and then we get into like you know the start of part two much later in season two three four whenever you know and and yeah i i very much see that being the way going forwards but um but yeah, man, the, the journey continues. And then I, I was so happy to hear the song at the end as well. I was going to say that, yeah, like, there was a couple the, of... The, the, yeah. I was going to say the intro when they're in the car mm, and obviously yeah, yeah. with the magazine and everything again. What, like every single line of dialogue from Joel and Ellie is identically ripped from the video game, which again, as we keep saying, just shows you how strong the writing in that original game is, that it can stand up 10 years later on the best show on TV and it doesn't stand out at all. Um, so that yeah. was amazing to see. And I'm so glad that they, yeah... The, the acting and they're just they're nailing these characters so so strongly like mm. the more you hear about the fact that they didn't want them to like watch uh, the games and stuff blows me say, away. <laughs> that blows me away because 
it's identical. Mm. So it just shows how strong the level of direction must be yeah. to get those two actors in the same headspace as they got Troy and Ashley. Yeah. To, to get them to do, to give a same but nuanced performance, you know, because it is the same but slightly different. Yeah. You know, and I think Pedro in particular, well, Ellie as well, because I think Ellie is showing this kind of weird, um, you know, sinister side with her cutting the infected and also, you know, that the obsession sniffing the gun in this episode and stuff like that. And then Joel is showing this vulnerability and emotion that we didn't get. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, and those, those nuances are coming in because they haven't studied and loved the source material, which we, we do a little bit. <laughs> um, and, and, um, and yeah, so I think, um, you know, that, you know, that, that's what's so strong about it, but they had to get the direction so close because they've the the performances do almost mirror it exactly and it is just those tiny bit the tiny bits that that you know um you can only bring to the role if you haven't seen it i think that's it if pedro had seen joel's you know in the video game it would have been too hard just to do the same but because he hasn't and because bella hasn't they then can just add these little parts to it that then just just gives it that fresh spin and yeah so i i just think they've that they just continue to nail it you know almost entirely still they did the right even with the negative that we talk about oh yeah 100 percent. they did the right thing because the the characters are so well written and then obviously the directing and writing is so strong that like yeah they absolutely did not need to know the source material because the it's that it isn't the case of oh this just worked and we don't know why so can you please copy this for the show it's like no we know why this works like this writing is exceptional across any media mm-hmm. platform um yeah, you, like the songs again, like they just continue to blow me away. Like we ended last episode with the cassette going into the car and obviously it was the song yeah. that they played on the piano. So that was like a new song, which was great to tie it back to that. But I was a bit worried we wasn't going to get the song that he listens to actually in the car in the game, um, even though I thought we would because it was on the first trailer for the show. Um, so the fact that she then found the second cassette and was like, oh, what's this? And they put it in and it was the song that obviously plays when they crash the car. Ooh. I was like, oh, that's awesome. But then, yeah, the Ooh. song on the end credits, I was like, my mouth dropped when that song yeah, started playing. Too because i was like jesus christ and then i was like are they using the version of ashley johnson singing um Mm. i don't think it is i think it's another female artist who did a cover of that song and then obviously ashley's Mm. version was based upon that but people can listen to ashley's full version on spotify um but yeah and and again that's from the trailer for the last of us part two and they've already did the homage to the original trailer for the last of us which was in the museum with the clickers and joel slowly reloading the gun so it's like the level of easter eggs that they're doing isn't even stuff that's in like both those scenes specifically in the song aren't in either of the actual games they're just in the trailer no, no, it's next level yeah. <laughs> yeah it's absolutely insane what well, one final point is, as well as um you won't have to wait longer for um the next episode because i don't know if you've seen this it has been floating around the last couple of days so people might be aware of this episode five airs earlier because of the super bowl on sunday so um hbo do not want to go up against the super bowl so it's airing on the friday night in the states side um obviously on hbo and hbo max and it will still air on the sunday as well for people that want to just watch it for whatever reason but obviously its ratings are going to get killed on the sunday so they're putting it out early on the friday um i have no idea what that means yet because 
in terms of the uk because sky do show it when america shows it for if people aren't aware of that so you can watch it late sunday evening if you want or like for example if you wake up monday morning before you go into work you can just download it you don't have to wait until mm. the monday evening for when they show it and it's like a prime time slot so i would assume that's going to be the case that i would say uk people check sunday morning it should be available on demand on, on sky and now tv but i haven't found confirmation of that yet um, yeah so but um it's one of those things like i'm really excited and it'd be a nice little weekend treat to watch it but then also it's going to be the, then a, a more than a week wait for episode six um i know that's that's the bittersweet side of it really yeah <laughs> i do think I, I it does make me wonder like oh i wonder if they could have just done this as like a double bill because this was clearly again to me like a mini two-parter um but i guess not and, and like i say i think it's uh the ratings are obviously been doing it super well like they they they've they, they've been so unfortunate because every sunday there's been i think the last sunday it was the grammys so they've had like these big things that they've been yeah. up against but they've they, they haven't blinked but then it's like it's the super bowl like they have to they have to do something um <laughs> but uh yeah very very interesting indeed um times but yeah that's pretty much it for this week uh we are got a couple of quiet weeks now obviously we're back in the cinema in a few weeks because there's still loads coming in february and march but um i think we're away for a couple of weeks so back on the old on demand and hopefully we'll get to see Candyland because that was the one i'd spoke about a few weeks ago that like seemingly wasn't available but i think it is now so fingers crossed we'll be able to do that um or otherwise there is other stuff i'm i'm definitely in the mood for some craven um at some point so maybe not next week maybe that'll be the week after um but yeah there, there's definitely some some good stuff on the horizon of course we can we can always just uh talk about the last of us forever as we seemingly do hence why this podcast has gotten about 50 percent longer this year <laughs> yeah i know i know this week when we're like we we probably there's not much to talk about the last of us and then suddenly we we go deep we can't help it yeah that's that's why we love it um but yeah that was that was good times that was episode 335 thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone I never could, and how could I start that?